The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esport betting site. Log on today to bet on all your favorite esports titles at the simple click of a button. Choose your game, choose your team, earn Unicorns, and who knows, maybe you'll earn enough to enter to win any number of fabulous prizes, such as Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins in their marketplace. Unicorn.com. Log on today. To the penultimate edition of the Rough Drafts 2016 League of Legends World Championship Team by Team Preview Podcast. Man, that is a mouthful. We need to we need to shorten up our titles, I think. But we have two <laughs> two teams left. There are two teams left. The penultimate team. I'm really on a lemony snicket kick. I can't wait for that show to come to Netflix and I don't know. A couple months. <laughs> But anyways, <laughs> joining me on the other line to talk about this this penultimate team, this team that we have just we're not gonna give up on, my good friend and co-host, Chase, the red shirt king Wassener. Chase, besides a series of unfortunate events, tell me about how you've prepared for this team that we're talking about today. Well, the thing about Royal Never Give Up, and I'm going to use that phrase probably a couple times in this podcast, is that There are two versions of Royal Never Give Up. There's the version that dominated the regular season that had a 13-3 record, 29-11 on just pure maps, that looked absolutely dominant, that had the regular season uh, MVP and MLXG, uh, who had the second highest regular season MVP awards in Uzi, that just outplayed and outsmarted most of the opponents that came their way. And then there was Playoffs Royal Never Give Up. And Playoffs Royal Never Give Up is something that I'm still not sure deserved to to make it to Worlds. I don't know if that team beats World Elite. Uh, I think they barely made it past IMEI, and that series really could have gone either way, as I pointed out when we did our IMEI preview. That was a series in which both teams threw games. And let's remember that they cheesed game one by actually giving Looper Singed and having him play it on the Samsung skin, which was the best part of my VOD watching, by the way, was seeing Looper on his season four Samsung, uh, you know, singed skin. That was glorious. Uh, everything else about watching the playoff VODs for them was just an exercise in what is happening? Why are they not playing like the team that I know that they are? And if you ask Chinese experts, I don't think they know either. But we're going to try to decipher it on this episode because saying I don't know and ending the podcast there would not be a very rewarding experience for any of us involved, I think. I mean, it'd probably be rewarding for, you know, the couple of Royal Never Give Up fans that kind of want to forget everything that's happened since they won China in the spring because since then they have not been... Very good. At MSI, they kind of fell flat, and that's sort of what led to the surprise run by CLG into the finals up against SKT. Uh, And then, as you said, throughout the course of the regular season, they've looked good at times, they've looked bad at times, they've looked mediocre at times. It's kind of been a, a spectrum of colors 
color of the rainbow out here for, for Royal Never Give Up. But let's start with the good. Let, let's, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly with, with Royal Never Give Up. We're, we're going to do a, a nice yeah. old school Western here. I like so give it. Me the, give me the good. And, and you, know, you know, one good thing about Royal Never Give Up that, that if you look at Worlds is like, yep, this is, the, this is the best thing about this team. Well, first of all, I want to let, you know, stop the revisionist history on the idea that they didn't do well at MSI. They got first in the, in the group stage at MSI. Their loss was to SK Telecom, who went on to win the tournament. But they were 8-2 and two in the group stage. They did amazingly at MSI. They won the LPL and had a great series against EDG that got them the championship there. They were a team that, you know, won their group, Group A. It was the weaker of the two groups, and that needs to be acknowledged. Or, um, but at the same time, they were absolutely uh, a dominant force in their own right, and they deserve every amount of credit that they get for how they performed throughout the regular season. And the reason that they performed so well in the regular season and even going back to last split is they have some amazing talent in Uzi and in MLXG. MLXG is one of these guys that we kind of forget to talk about because we, you know, just look at Clear Love and Clear Love is the jungler of China and that's all that anyone wants to talk about. But MLXG is so good at using globals and making plays around the map. Uh, you know, his, his Rek'Sai is insane. His Hecarim, he loves to dive in on things like mm -hmm. that. He can clear waves. He can, you know, you know or clear to the jungle path and be aggressive in that regard. Um, he can play more aggressive junglers. His uh, Elise was 3-0 and and had an insanely high KDA because he was able to, you know, go in and disrupt what the enemy was doing. You know, when, when they were being proactive, uh, it was because MLXG was setting up plays. But unlike EDG, which is all proactive all the time, and, and just to make a quick correction here, I, I said uh, Group A for Royal Never Give Up. They were actually in, in Group B, so uh, pardon me. I wrote that wrong in my notes. But, uh, you know, you look back at, at how they were performing. They did really well uh, in terms of letting the enemy make mistakes and letting the team capitalize on that. Oh, the enemy bot lane has gotten out of position? Awesome, Uzi, sick him. And he just has this ability to just put out so much damage. And unlike the old Uzi days where you would argue that his positioning was off and that he mm -hmm. would have to have a guy like Zero, you know, the joke was, right, that Zero basically had to be babysat the entire game because, you know, he was on babysitting duty because otherwise Uzi would just roam off and get himself killed and just please, you know, protect him so we can get all the way to the finals. You know, nowadays he has learned how to position well in teamfights. He has learned how to make sure that he's getting his damage output. He is the star of the team. Uh, even though MLXG, I think, is the glue that keeps the team together. Uh, you know, wh whether, you know, which one is your favorite player and which one you think is the best player on the team uh, is basically dependent on how you enjoy watching the game. Mm -hmm. I will always look at junglers and the shot calling decisions and, and all of the things that MLXG does in terms of getting the rest of his team set up and say that, you know, that's the guy I lean towards. But Uzi is one of the best AD carries in the world. Um, you know, that's, that's something that's always going to be true. You know, even if the bot lane synergy isn't where a lot of people probably think that it is. Uh, it's also worth pointing out, if we're talking about positives, uh, Looper on a good day is really good. 
He's a really good top laner. Uh, you might remember that if you saw him win World Championship back in Season 4. Uh, that has not changed. Much like Impact, there are games where he looks like his World Championship self. Uh, he is not one of those Koreans that gets over there and then backs off. Uh, he has been you know, fun to watch. He'll bring out pocket picks like the uh, Singed, and he'll have some really nice, fun games. Uh, is he as consistent as someone like Mouse? No. Mouse found a way to kind of walk all over him. But yeah, it- certainly when you see against uh, a team like Aime, he was holding his own against a, a very solid top laner and Amazing J. So that's, that is certainly in play as well. It, it definitely sounds like as you're talking about Looper, there, there's a big but that you're, you're about to get to, not only with him but the rest of the team. But I absolutely agree with everything you said. They, they have one of the best AD carries in the world in, in Uzi. And I feel like the, the, the problems with this team fighting is slightly, slightly, slightly revisionist of, of trying to find some knock on him just because he tends to be so aggressive. It's sort of like, we call it like double lift syndrome, where he gets too aggressive in team fights and he gets caught out. But there are some plays where you're, you're, you're scared of that positioning, and he just has some phenomenal skill. Uh, thinking back to you know, Season 3 and Season 4, you know, his, his vein play, the micro that he's able to accomplish with that champion is just absolutely beyond reproach. And I think part of what's helped make Looper and Uzi so successful was the addition of, of the world-class support Mata, who has finally mm-hmm. kind of found himself on a, on a really solid team. Oh! Oh, is this the butt? This is the is this hashtag. The, is this... Mata is the problem. That's, oh, Mata, so this is the bad. This is let, let's get into the bad, and we'll and we'll okay. we'll start with Looper because you you could already sense that I had a butt with him as well. Yeah. And the butt that comes with Looper is, but he doesn't know how to play team oriented top laners. His NAR <laughs> is not great. His NAR is a problem. His Rumble is okay. Uh, he he does well on things like Echo and Gangplank and Singed, where he's just relying on himself. And you know his, his most played champion in the LPL Summer, to put it in perspective, was Trundle. Uh, he played a lot of Maokai as well. Um, you know, and and that you know is really just a self sufficient guy. And then I teleport to lane, and everything is fine. He was five and zero on Swain. You know, those are the kinds of champions that he does really well at, where he can be the one making plays. He is the one making the impact. He is the one going in for fights and making his own setup, not having to be the setup for the rest of his team. He was 0-3 on NAR in the postseason. He only played NAR twice in the regular season. That's not great when you look at the kinds of champions that we're expecting to be you know, popular here, right? You know, it, and obviously we don't know what the meta is going to be. If it, if something like Kled is coming in, though, Kled yeah, is meant to have an ultimate that's charging through and leading the team to victory. He likes to play individual solo lanes. Like, that's, you know, there, there could be some suboptimal ulting here. He has not yeah. been great at, at being the perfect setup guy, even if his laning skills are good. You know whose laning skills aren't good right now? Mata. And Mata is the thing where we are living on a legacy right now. People oh, who God, say that Uzi and Mata are the best bot lane in the world or the best bot lane in China are ignoring the fact that A, Deft and Maiko exist, and B, Mata hasn't been that guy. And a lot of it is it's not mechanical mistakes. It's not even that, you know. His warding has fallen off that terribly, though I don't think it's as good as it's been in previous splits. The problem is he and Uzi seem to have very different ideas oh, of what no. to do in the lane. 
Mata what used to play with you know guys like Name, right? Like he loved to to farm up and then you know start going after you know in the 15, 20 minute you know the mid game phase and being that kind of guy. Uzi, you don't leash Uzi. Uzi's ready to go at any given time, and when you play really good teams. They take advantage of that because Mata, you know, he's like, oh, well, you know, Uzi can take care of himself. I'll go out and ward. Oh, and I'm dead. Or it'll be like, okay, well, Uzi wants to push in, so I guess I'll come out of, you know, and try to position myself. But, oh, I guess he's backing up after all, and I'm stranded, and now I'm dead. Um, you know, this is a, a recurring thing. He had the, the lowest KDA on the team by far. Uh, if you look at uh, what they did in the playoffs with the 2.31, that's not what you want from your uh, support. And 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 the other thing is that MLXG, you know, he's great when he can make plays for his team, but when playing EDG, a team that had such an insane amount of talent on the board, he wasn't able to make plays. He got caught out by guys like Clearlove uh, when Clearlove was counter jungling. Though MLXG did have a couple, you know moments here and there overall it wasn't working out scout was able to bully out Zhao Hu because scout is a really great mid laner and Zhao Hu is fine he's good uh it's it's you know to put it into context you know if you look at the regular season you'd say he's very good if you look at the playoffs you'd say he's maybe average you know it's kind of hard to put it in that perspective but when Looper wasn't able to play the kind of champions that were popular in the 6.15 meta, and Mata's getting himself killed because he and Uzi still don't agree on how to run a lane, Whoa. and all of these things, you look at a team that so much is on paper, and in the regular season it worked so well, and I don't know if it's because they didn't prepare properly for the tournament. I don't know if they just thought that, you know, Aimee was going to be a walkover and who cares about the finals? We're already in Worlds. We don't care about the one seed. You know, I, I don't know what it was, but that was not the team we saw in the regular season. Uh, MLXG and Looper and all these things were so much more effective in the regular season and they just stopped playing towards their strengths. See, the entire time that you were talking about Mata, I was saying, please don't compare him to Yellowstar. Please don't compare him to Yellowstar. And you did everything but say, he reminds me of Yellowstar. Look, literally everything you said reminded me of Yellowstar on TSM. You're not wrong to make that comparison. The difference is, the difference is, Mata still is mechanically proficient. That was the thing that Mata never got credit for. You know, we never claimed that Yellowstar was a, a proficient, you know, support as, as far as just pure mechanics went. That was never something that we, we tried to talk ourselves into. So right. when we talk about, you know, a Yellowstar style support, that's never going to be the kind of guy, you know, I, I bring up because Mata does have technical skills. But right. the problem isn't that Mata doesn't understand the game. It's that they don't agree on what type of game they should be playing right. when push comes to shove. It's the idea that he'd make moves that if they were playing a certain play style would be smart moves. Mm-hmm. But you just constantly see them on different wavelengths and not you know one of them pushing when the other one isn't and vice versa. And you know not balancing the, the wave management as well. And that means that dragon control can get a little bit harder. Um, you know, I, I think during the regular season, they did an amazing job of managing these kinds of objectives because during the regular season, you know, Uzi was able to overpower a lot of 
you know, teams just by his abilities alone. He is an amazing AD carry. His proficiency mm. cannot be denied. Uh, MLXG made insanely smart plays. There's a reason that he was the MVP. He got 13 MVP awards uh, over the course of the regular season. That doesn't happen on accident. You know, when you only win 29 maps, that means that almost half of the time, you're the biggest reason your team won the game. And 11 of those went to Uzi, by the way. So now we're talking (laughs) about 24 of their 29 were between those two players. And those two players are amazing and intelligent, and they just got to get the rest of the team on board. And so now, now Chase, yeah. you need to tell me why you gave Samsung a 55% chance to make it out of groups when you have such a glowing review of Royal Never Give Up. Because you also gave Splice 5%, and I already know your feelings on TSM, so that leaves 40% for Royal. Yeah, because they could be the team they were in the regular season at any time. They just need to draft that way. They need to play like it, and they need to understand what their win conditions are as a team. I understand that you might want to play NAR or Rumble because those are popular meta champions, and if you can't deal with them, then ban them, whatever it is you need to do. But stop picking him, for the love of God. It's not what he does. Give him, you know, I, I have seen Mouse win games in the playoffs on Aurelia. Put him on Aurelia. Put him on something that can carry. Put him on something that Looper Singed. does. Singe. Let him play a singe. I'm fine. Look, his singe game was great. Like, they stopped that game. That was the strongest victory they had in the playoffs. It wasn't a close game. Singed had, like, five kills in 15 minutes. He was proxy farming well before you would usually imagine that to go down. Singed be the first champion with two different world championship skins? No, because RNG is not winning this tournament. I mean, that's the problem is, like... You know, it's what scale are we talking about? Do I think they could escape this group? Absolutely, I think they could escape this group. I think there's a 40% chance, as I said. I think that MLXG is an amazing jungler that deserves way more credit than he gets. I think Uzi is an amazing AD carry. Uh, I think Zhao Hu, I didn't even mention Zhao Hu. Uh, He's got a little bit of a problem because... His two most played champions were Victor and Azir. He's very good at Victor and Azir. Yeah, I remember that about him. That's something I remember from MSI prep was that he was a very good Victor and Azir. And guess what? Champions aren't very good. No, that's that's oh. and that's a problem. But you know what? He also was three and zero on LeBlanc during the regular season and two and zero on Talia. And you know he's played a rather solid Lissandra, even if they didn't win games that way. So certainly he can play those kind of champions. I don't know how great he's going to be. I don't think he's an amazing mid laner, but I don't think that Crown is an amazing mid laner. So I, I think that, you know, if you look at it that way, it's all a matter of is Royal Never Give Up built for this meta? Can they handle the fact that they're now in these standard lanes and it means that they need certain things from their top lane or certain things from their bot lane? And the answer, honestly, is I will see. I, you know, Uzi and Mata need to sit down and decide how the bot lane works. And when you look at just coaching in general, you know, Fly needs to sit down with them and say, guys, I understand what the meta says. F the meta. What do we do? How do we win? How is our roster built? Because they won a lot of games in the regular season. And they were in Group B, the tougher of the two groups, now that I actually corrected my notes. They had an intense schedule, and they were still dominant. And MLXG and Uzi are capable of of combining together to beat any team that that can be out there 
when they're playing at their best. But the problem is that's a big when they're playing at their best. And this meta might not be the right meta for them. Uh, it, it does seem to have thrown MLXG's pathing off. It does mean that Uzi isn't given the free time to farm. And so, you know, they're forced to deal with the fact that he and Mata don't work very well earlier on in the game. Uh, you know, it does mean that uh, a little bit more is required of Zhao Hu, which, you know, the less is that's required of Zhao Hu, the better this team tends to be. So they're going to have to be creative. They're going to have to be inventive. They're going to have to look at this roster and say, we know we have talent. How do we put it together? If they do that, they get out of this group. The reason I have it at 40% is I trust the Samsung organization to do that a little bit more than I trust Royal Never Give Up, who last year uh, showed that they were not at all ready for this kind of thing. But you know what? They went 8-2 and two at MSI. They did an amazing job of reading a, a tournament meta there and understanding how to use those pick and demands, um, you know, right before they lose to, you know, SKT in the semifinals. So it's very possible that this team comes off swinging and actually does understand, that, you know, what to do now that they've had some time to practice. But I'm not willing to go higher than 40% <laughs> until I see it. And in the playoffs, they did not show it. But, that's... you know, they've always got regular season royal in their pocket, and that's why I refuse to go lower than 40%. That, that is completely fair. It seems like MLXG is the player that you don't know that you need to know about. Yes. Definitely someone that I'm going to have to do a little bit more research on because you're right. I, I said Ambition was probably a top three jungler in the world, and you're telling me there's a top three jungler in this group that I know nothing or very little about. Yeah, so Ma we... massively improved. If there was a most improved player of the year, he would get it. Because um, right. people who saw him last year uh, and only remember him from last year are wondering what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> Just trust me. Just trust me. <laughs> I will trust you because I know how much Chinese League of Legends you have watched over the past week. But you know what? Unlike Azir and Victor, the Rough Draft podcast never goes out of meta. Hopefully you've enjoyed today's podcast. We have one more team to cover. We saved the best for last, at least in my opinion. And yes. we're going to get to them in just a couple hours if you come on back here to our YouTube channel or to our SoundCloud slash iTunes channels. You can catch that team and all the other teams that we've covered so far. We've done 15 teams so far, all of Group A, all of Group B, all of Group C. And you can find them here on the YouTube. Just look up the Rough Drafts podcast or on iTunes and SoundCloud. Look up eSports Rough Drafts. If you disagree with, you know, anything that we said about any of the teams, you want to say, hey, I agree with that point, or no, you guys are just absolutely insane. That's never going to happen. You can hit us up on Twitter and on Facebook just by looking up at Rough Drafts Pod on either. And you can also follow us personally on social media and find out what we think about these teams on a little bit larger scale and what we think about life. You can find me at C80s underscore LOL. Chase, where can the good folks at home find you? Uh, if you guys want to tell me why my LPL knowledge is, is <laughs> skewed by a very small playoff sample size and, and everything else I was able to do, please let me know at RedShirtKing. I love learning more about the region, I think. I loved watching the VODs, and I'm glad that I got to cover China for this. And I'm glad that we get to flip the script and let our TSM fanboy talk about 
the team that will have their name chanted no matter which two teams happen to be playing in the arena because that's just how these things tend to go in a North American tournament. So <laughs> until then... <laughs> You thought TSM chants were annoying in Taiwan when they weren't playing. You're now in San Francisco is TSM home turf, baby. You're going to have freaking INTZ versus EGG and the crowd's going to be like, TSM, TSM, TSM. Oh, man. And yes. I'm sure none of us will get old of that. None of us will ever get old of that. Hey. But you know what? Let's just get to it, Walter. (laughs) Let's talk about TSM. I mean, you guys. We'll see you in, in a couple hours. Until then, goodbye, Internet.